If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. This broadcast... Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy. But you know what is? Going to Aruba... All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Cast is actually a YouTube live stream with me sort of responding to the comments in the chat box window on screen. If you'd like to watch that, the YouTube link is in the description box of this show. Okay, here we go. Stand by. Three, two, one, action. Assume nothing. Brash, bald-faced blasphemy. Question everything. I find it extremely hard to imagine. Open your eyes. It is quite all right to be an atheist. The fastest growing group of people in the country has been measured as being those who have no belief or who are atheists. You don't have to be apologetic or quiet about it. Challenge the opposition. You see religion on a hundred fronts losing the argument. And start thinking. This is The Thinking Atheist Worldwide. It's amazing how in certain parts of the country, football's like religion. Have you noticed? Oklahoma. Oklahoma Sooners. It's a religion. College football, I think, especially. I don't follow football. I watch one game a year. Super Bowl. And it's fun. I mean, we'll have a party and we'll cook food and... And usually the commercials are entertaining, and sometimes the game's even close, and I have a good time watching football. 
hell of a lot more fun than watching soccer for me. And I know this is sacrilege for a great many people. I remember we had um, a Tulsa area. We had a, I guess it was pro soccer radio broadcast back when I was on KXOJ. And we would run it at night and I was working the evening shift at the time. And radio soccer, these are two things that should never meet. And -and so-and-so's kicking it, and he kicks the ball to so-and-so, and and now it's being kicked again. It has now been kicked up the field. It's No, it's been intercepted, kicked back. They are now kicking it. The ball has been kicked, and then they continue to kick it, and other people are kicking it. It was numbing. It was numbing. I mean, there's no way to make radio soccer interesting. I don't think so. And uh, I mean, I appreciate the athleticism required for soccer. And I, I, you know, I used to go to Hannah's soccer game, my stepkids' soccer games. We had a great time. But, you know, there's a, sorry, there's a lot more going on with football, actual football. You know, the first downs and there were field goals and safeties and touchbacks. And, you know, there's, there's a lot more happening. I still don't follow football. I still don't know anybody in the game of football and for a great many people this is tragic to them and in oklahoma there it's ou oklahoma university and then oklahoma state university the colleges are about i don't know an hour and a half two hours apart and they have a game where they match up every single year they call it bedlam bedlam this saturday don't miss it and uh it's it's a big deal and um I guess this is the case up uh, north as well. I just got back from Chicago and uh, baseball and football up there. And I don't follow. I appreciate baseball, the athleticism of baseball. I've been to a couple of, uh, uh, I think it was the Texas Rangers we went to go see, some professional teams play. It was amazing. I mean, to be there, the electricity of of being in the stadium. Um, And... You know, I didn't know anybody who was out there. I, mostly, I was just trying to save myself from getting tagged by a foul ball. You know, one of those foul balls tipped backwards. They go up in the air. You lose them in the sky. Holy shit, I hope it doesn't land on my head. I did a lot of that. You know, that. And the food, right? It's kind of like fair food. Hot dogs and cotton candy, whatever else they're, they're serving. So I'm up in Chicago. And uh, I actually started in Madison, Wisconsin, and I went to Milwaukee, and I spoke Saturday in Milwaukee for the Milwaukee Humanist Precious People. We just had a great time. And they presented me with a gift. Let me show you. The radio listeners aren't going to be able to see this, so I'm going to, I'll describe it. Theater of the Mind. I have a cowboy hat made of cheese. Okay? Cheese. Wisconsin cheese. Okay? So, um, they told me that I, God, this makes me look like I have even less hair. Can I push that down? Now it's like Gilligan meets... Uh, I don't know what that is. That's just it. Anyway, they gave me this hat. So uh, they said, you should wear this when you're in Chicago. No, no. I mean, I knew that was a setup, so I didn't do it. 
But, you know, Chicago, they've got, uh, hell, even baseball is Cubs or White Sox. And these people are, they're religious about their, and they know the players, they know the stats, they know the, I guess, drafts or trades or whatever you call it. And I'm almost envious because it's amazing. Now, we all have our stuff. Now, you and I could sit around and talk about classic Star Trek or Next Generation, and we could get into we could get into all of the sort of minutia of that hobby, and it is a hobby, pastime, religion. And I can I can play. I can totally play along. We can sit around and talk about radio stuff and to a to a degree gear, audio gear, maybe some video gear, and we can get into this and that. And and I can play along there. It, we've all got our distractions. And I kind of was envious of those who could say, well, so and so got traded to so and so, but you know his batting average is really way down, and blah blah blah. He did this, he did that. What a great game! And you know they're playing tomorrow night at X Stadium. And their record this year is great or it's awful. Football is the same way. And um, so I just came back struck by, you know, we can be religious about a great many things. Oh, yeah. We can be zealous about a great many things. There are, I know people so superstitious that on game Sunday, they wear their game jerseys all day long. Uh, what is that film where the father felt if he didn't wear the game jersey on game day, he would curse the team and everybody's got their own little traditions. So I just thought that was interesting. I mean, are you a sports fan? Are you someone who follows it? Do you know the statistics, the players, the seasons, the records, who won, who lost, how many rings, championship rings do they have? What's your sports? They just started curling. In Oklahoma. Now, these are two words, again, that I thought would never go together. This was hot on the heels of um, the United States winning in the Olympics. Men's curling. I have been fascinated by curling. I don't completely understand the game. Every time I go up to Canada, I'm always like, hey, can someone take me curling? Or next time I'm up, let's go curling. Um. And you just roll the stone, you roll the stone, and it slides on the ice, and you sweep the ice, and everybody's shouting, yep, yep, yep. I don't know what those, uh, they're just screaming at each other, right? So somebody's got the the rock or the stone, and they're scooting it down this sort of ice channel, and then they start shouting, yep, 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 yeah, 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 stop, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's in another language, it's even funnier. It's even funny. They're just screaming at each other the whole time. Okay, and then it goes into the uh, what looks like a dartboard. It looks like a, kind of a shuffleboard circle. No, not shuffleboard, but it goes into a um, I don't know a, a scoring area circle, a series of rings, and you're trying to knock people out of the rings. You get a certain number of rocks, and you score points. And it's more nuanced than that. I'm fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by it. Uh, and I tell some other people that I'm fascinated by curling, and and um, they look at me like I just said that I was fascinated by watching weeds grow in the backyard, you know. Um, you know, I'm fascinating by, by watching the, the, the temperature change on the, on the thermometer. You know, they, they don't get that at all. Um, but I want to say thanks to everybody up north who allowed me to come and play along. Thank you for my cheese hat. I, uh, I'm not going to wear this uh, probably to, you know, when, when it's game day. It's got little holes all over it, although it's not white like Swiss cheese. And there were like cheese operations, like cheese 
retail outlets all down the highway when we were driving Wisconsin to Chicago. It's like, cheese, there's a cheese place. It's cheese, there's cheese. It's cheese everywhere. It's cheese everywhere. I thought they just said that for, for the tourists, but I guess it's, I guess it's a thing. Anyway, uh, it's a very loose show this week. Just something, obviously, it's a very loose show this week. Just something to talk about. Um, I am preparing to go to Minneapolis-St. Paul. Oh, let me give you the specifics on this. It's going to be so much fun. This coming Sunday, actually Sunday, see, we're recording this before the week. So Sunday, the 23rd, sethandrews.net slash speaking, and that's the link you can use if you want to see, sethandrews.net slash speaking. We're going to the Geek Partnership Society. We start at 2 o'clock. $5 advance tickets. I'm sure they'll have tickets at the door, but you can just go to my website, sethandrews.net slash speaking. Get an advance ticket. It's going to be so much fun. Never had a chance to speak in Minneapolis. Uh, My dad's from Minnesota. We used to go up there all the time. Mosquitoes in the month of August will just kill you. Just kill you. It's like a bad B movie from the 1950s. You would walk from point A to point B. You'd have whelps all over your body. The mosquitoes, beautiful, beautiful place. And they do have lakes everywhere you look. Beautiful water. And there's the corn flowing in the cities are beautiful. And it's all beautiful. And, and then once the sun goes down, literally you can hear the danger music as all the mosquitoes come out of whatever lair they, they have been waiting in. And they just, and they love me. Mosquitoes love me. And it's interesting how two people can be standing side by side and one person can get attacked like me, just attacked by mosquitoes, and the other does not. And by the way, that whole skin so soft is a great way to keep mosquitoes from biting you is total horseshit. Skin so soft does not work. I want DEET. Bug spray with teat. <laughs> skin so soft. Whose idea was that? I mean, what do you, what's the matter with you people? Anyway, what is it that you would like to talk about today? I'll let uh, the chat room begin to guide the conversation. But again, I do hope I get a chance to see you in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Finalizing the Netherlands. Looks like I'm going to take Natalie with me. Uh, we may... Uh, go down and and do some touristy stuff. Maybe see the Eiffel Tower in Paris, and then we may uh, take the uh, what's the train, the high speed train, and uh, go up to London or over to London and and fly back home out of uh, London. So we're excited. I've never been to London, never been to Paris, never been to the Netherlands, um, and uh, I should have all those details real soon. I'm just trying to hammer everything down. You know, travels. Travel's an amazing thing, but it's also a little overwhelming. It's international travel. You know, you're, you got to get all your ducks in a row. Switch over here so you guys can see the chat screen. You got to get all your stuff and use your passport ready to go. And is there a language barrier? And where's the best place to stay? And we're going to, you know, just a completely foreign area. I, I'm a kitten by the highway. So um, we're excited, we're kind of nervous, and uh, it'll be a, a great opportunity to go out and see the world and actually get a chance to, to speak and bring a presentation. That's another question. Like, what kind of presentation serves the Netherlands? You know, and I find myself reviewing a lot of my content thinking, is, uh, you know, does this relevant? Do they want to talk about the insanity in the United States? 
How religious is the area I'm going to? Will the humor translate? I don't know. The chat room is asking me about cat. I'm always holding up uh, Henry and Rat Dog for the cameras whenever I'm doing the video podcast on YouTube. Cat, uh, I mean, he's not up here right now. He, occasionally, I'll crack the door and let him in. He hates to be held. He hates to be held. So I ain't going to pick him up. I'm not going to pick him up and hold him in front of the webcam here, because if I did, uh, there would be arterial spray, you know, flying all over the monitors. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's an animal that will purr and rub on you and meow at you, but he also has a look on his face of complete and utter contempt. And uh, I, more than most, more than most cats I've seen. I don't know if it's a Persian thing. Uh, Cytoplast said, have you ever run a race like a 5K or half marathon? I used to do 5Ks all the time. I used to run 5K uh, three times a week, four times a week. I've got an arthritic knee, play some tennis, mostly doubles. I've slowed down just a little bit. Um, Jonathan said, did you ever follow up on Muhammad Hashim, the guy harassed on Egyptian television for being an atheist? Well, I haven't been in contact with Muhammad Hashim. Um, if you know, we could get past the language barrier and if Muhammad would be interested in having a conversation, I'd love to. Um, we've talked a lot about Islam, and it's interesting because as I, I sort of you know, rub elbows with my friends in atheist activism— Ali Rizvi and Muhammad Syed, Armin Nababi, Sarah Hader, Yasmin Muhammad, they tell me that there's a reticence by a lot of atheist activists, or they sense a reticence to really go after Islam. And I mean, I don't know if I've seen that as much, but um, it, we talk about Christianity, we talk about Scientology, we talk about the cults, we talk about the theocrats, but we also talk about Islam. And I try to post about Islam. I just released a video featuring uh, Muhammad El-Khadra, who escaped Jordan, an atheist who feared for his life, was given asylum, I think, in the United States. If not, I think it was Canada. And, um, you know, I want to tell those stories. And um, so I'd be interested in having that conversation if somebody wanted to connect us via email or otherwise. reading the chat room to see what else everybody's talking about their cats. Cat was, um, he's, he's the last animal I'll ever buy from a pet store. You know, uh, once I began to understand the nature of pet stores, I uh, really got into it and I was late to that party. And I really learned a lot when we rescued Henry. I, I really came to the realization that I will rescue for the rest of my life, okay? But Cat was at a place, he was at a pet store in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. They kept him in this four-by-four four plexiglass box. I don't know how long he'd been in there, but he was about eight months old by the time that we had gotten to him. And we just couldn't decide. We went back in. We went in twice a week. We'd go in, and they'd even bring him out. And we'd play with him, and we had the little foil ball that he would like to bat around, and we would talk about it, and we put him back in the cage, you know, back in the box. And it went on and on to the point when we'd walk into the pet store, the employees would just go get him. 
They would just go get him out so that we could hang. He was like our cat. We just hadn't taken him home yet. And um, so finally we said, oh, fine. Let's just do it. We put him in the car. We took him home. And we immediately came to the realization that he apparently had been in this 4 by 4 plexiglass box for so long that he had not quite mastered the art of being a cat. Example. He had a problem, a little bit of a problem, with spatial relations. We had a big footboard on the back of the bed. And so he would be on the floor, and he would be getting ready to jump up on the bed, jump up on the bed from the floor. This is fresh out of the pet store. And I guess he thought he judged the height correctly. But what happened was, is as we sat there and Cat jumped up to land on the bed, instead he went <clears throat> and hit the back of the headboard or the, the footboard and just went back on the ground. Just <clears throat> he just didn't clear it. Just didn't quite have enough inches. And, I, and that went on for a few. He would jump like from a chair to a counter or something, and he would just miss. <laughs> He'd just miss. He'd just fly off somewhere else. So, you know, after that indignity went on for a series of days, I think he finally began to measure it out in his mind. He finally began to learn how to navigate a world beyond his four-by-four plaque. And he lives in a much bigger box now. Okay, he he has he has the whole house as his box and he can run the stairs and, you know, he's got a soft bed and he sits on the back of the couch behind my neck and likes to lick my hair. Um, He's uh, he talks. We talk all the time. And all I have to do is just say cat, cat, cat. We'll just go off and on off for and he'll do that for minutes at a time and he'll follow you around. He'll stalk you. I read an article uh, a few weeks ago that said if cats were the size of uh, lions or tigers, that they would actually kill us. And I believe this to be true. I believe that if cat was the size of a panther or a cheetah or a lion or a tiger, that all it would take would just that one day when he's feeling kind of pissy. And he's just not in the mood for it. And I'm, I can see it because the tail starts to do that thing where it just gets really kind of hyper. And his ears go back and his eyes begin to squint in just one swat. <laughs> and I'm, it's game over, man. It's game over. <sighs> uh, I joined Instagram. Yeah. Somebody tell me why I joined Instagram. I'll tell you why I did it, but somebody tell me why I should have had to. I'm running ads for Ghost Stories, the audiobook, available now at audible.com. Get your copy today so that Seth can hopefully get to the top of the new releases and perhaps even bestseller section before we get into October. Really want the book to succeed, and the reviews coming in are really, really good, and I'm so relieved and so happy. I don't know if it'll last, but we're like we're averaging 4.9 out of five stars, and we've got almost 60 reviews in, and people are really enjoying it. It's about four hours of content, and I'm trying to promote it 
you know, without breaking the bank, I don't have a lot of resources. I don't have a lot of money. I'm trying to get it out there. In fact, if you want to go to Seth Andrews Ghost Stories on Facebook or just SethAndrews.net and share that with somebody you might know who enjoys that stuff, you'd be doing me a big favor. But as I'm running this uh, like short-term three-day or whatever Facebook boosted post ad, okay, it says, hey, would you also like to run on Instagram? The kids use Instagram. I don't, I don't if how is it different from Facebook again? Well, it's mostly pictures. Okay, okay, but but if I put pictures on Facebook, have I not then negated the need for Instagram? Why? Well, I mean, just pictures. Facebook bought Instagram. I don't. I don't I, why do I need Instagram? Fine. So I think, I thought at the time I needed to create an account. I haven't done anything with it. There's no, I don't think there's even a picture, photo, avatar, bio, nothing. I don't even know if I'm going to keep the damn thing, especially if I don't need it. But I went to Instagram and I, I made it, I made the account. And now what? It's just one more plate I have to keep spinning. One more thing I got to manage. I can't keep up with the stuff I've got. The inboxes. Anybody who sent me a message, especially a social media message, those things just becomes a needle in a stack of needles. I can't keep up with it all. I'm just one man. Instagram. Took me a while to get the hang of Twitter. I actually do enjoy Twitter a lot, especially at 240 characters. Or 280, rather, instead of 140. Better for me. Better. And so why do I, someone convince me, someone sell me, why do I need Instagram? Wendy said she did Instagram for about 10 minutes. No, I'm not doing Snapchat. Natalie's got it. All they do, her and her friends and the kids, all they do, is the little, I don't even know what you call them, where you add like mouse ears and shit to your face, right? You just add mustaches and hats and stretch your, your skin out and freeze it back up and uh, swap faces. Fun. I don't need it. I'll use their, I'll, we did a, I think we took a picture once that she treated on Snapchat. I put it on social media. It was cute. It was a moment that we shared together. Um, I'm not doing Snapchat. Is there one program or app that will allow you to keep up with everything? Can you do it all? Like an email program that will handle your Gmail and your Yahoo and your Outlook and your uh, whatever. Is there one program that's like, okay, fine, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram? Faisal Saeed Al-Mutar was joking just a few days ago that he finally signed up for a MySpace account. Anybody remember MySpace? I totally missed that wave. Totally missed that wave. I like the filters, Nathan. In the chat room, I like the filters. There's no reason I need Snapchat in my life. I, you know, and I, I don't even remotely know how to make the movies and the stories. And oh, I'm not, sorry, I don't, not doing it. Uh, I have been asked. Uh, let's see. I want to go up here. Vicky said she just bought Ghost Stories. Vicky, thank you so much. Make your checks payable to save the Andrews Family Foundation. 
Okay. I, I, I'm dead serious. I, I am, I need this book to succeed. It will bleed over attention into all of the other aspects of my work. And I really want October to like, I want October to begin with a spotlight on ghost stories. You know, it's, it's amazing. There's most audio books, most, and I'm listening to, right now I'm listening to the new Bob Woodward book about the Trump administration called Fear. By the way, it is terrifying. I'm only in the very first minutes of it. I'm already terrified. Bob Woodward is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. He was part of uh, Woodward and Bernstein who helped expose Nixon back in the 60s. He's written books on, I think, eight presidents. He's not a perfect guy. I mean, we all have our biases, but he is wired in. Okay, he is wired in and reporting from uh, hundreds of hours of interviews that he conducted with these sources well within, deep within the White House, including people who have access to the Oval Office, okay? And he has released this book that essentially declares that even the inner circle around Donald Trump, um, they're just trying to keep him from driving the train off the completely off the rails. Uh, uh, they're moving documents so he doesn't see him on his desk. They're making sure he doesn't... You know, they're just, it's like they're trying to distract him. It's like when you have an infant and the infant is wanting to go over to the candy or no, not infant, but the baby's wanting to go to the candy aisle and you're like, you're just snapping your fingers to try to get their attention. Hey, look over here. <laughs> no, look over here. Pay no attention. There's nothing over there to look at. That's all they're doing with the Trump administration. Just trying to keep Donald Trump from, hey, 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 sparkly thing, flashy thing. Look, look, look. Listen to the noise. Yes. Okay. Look my way. All right. Smile, smile. That's what they're doing to Donald Trump all the time. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. But the audiobooks like that are relatively dry. You'll hear a little bit of a music bed at the beginning. This is audible. And now Fear by Bob Woodward, read by whoever. Fades out. Chapter one, and then they just read it. The book I'm reading now for Dr. Hector Garcia, it's called Alpha God, is pretty basic. 80,000 words of mostly text that I'm trying to do the best I can with to make sure that, you know, I make it compelling for you because it's a, it's a compelling book. I wouldn't have agreed to read it if I didn't like the book. I really feel like it's an important part of these conversations that we need to be having. It's going to release October, November. Okay. It's coming out. And Hector Garcia wrote it. Dr. Garcia's book is his work, but I'm just reading his stuff at his request. And it's pretty basic. Ghost Stories is not every footstep sound effect every gust of wind every trickle of water every thunderclap every voice or pause every door opening or closing every every manipulation of an object within a story these have to be surgically placed by the storyteller in a way that fits the story and makes the story more compelling. So if you're looking at four thick, packed, jam-packed hours of content, you think about the amount of time it takes to, I screen captured one, one story session I had. I must've had, I don't know, 20, 25 tracks 
and I don't know how many hundreds of different clips all sectioned out and categorized and whatnot. I mean, if somebody, I walked up the stairs, you hear that, you hear the door, you hear my breath, you hear me talking, someone else, there's another character, you do a light switch. All of these things are sort of assembled into place. You're creating a a playground where the imagination can sort of fill in all the blanks visually. And this is some of my favorite kind of storytelling, right? It's why I like the old time radio in the 19, uh, you know, thirties and forties is because, yeah, they told the story, but you had a picture in your mind of what the characters looked like and what their environments looked like and what they might be doing. And if you get into, you know, demons and monsters and you get into evil with a capital E, that's really a fun place for people to begin to conjure up their own fears and paint their own monsters for the story. And it's it was a major thing. So hell, yes, I want ghost stories to succeed. Audible, it's on iTunes. And you'd be doing me a big favor if you would if you'd support the book. I don't. You don't have to be a member either. If you're an Amazon member, you can just go to your go to the Amazon page and you can just buy it on your Amazon page. You don't have to become an Audible member. And if you want to become an Audible member, I can get you a 30 day trial and the free book in the first 30 days. Meaning you can use the trial to get the book for free, and then you can decide yourself if you want to stick with Audible. And you can just ask me about that. Just send me an email to Seth at the thinking Rat Rod said, New atheist here, flat earthers push me over the edge. You would not believe that I met an atheist flat earther in Chicago, Illinois, but I did. Straight face was not a poe, was not a fake, was not pulling my leg, walked up. The guy's probably 60, walks up. And he is, and I'd made a gag from the stage during my speech about flat earthers being these kind of wacky fringe. I mean, it's just a crazy delusion. And he came up and he said, well, I took umbrage at, you know, one of the things you said from the stage. But overall, I really enjoyed the speech. I mean, I, well, really, what, uh, what did I say that bothered you? Well, when you were speaking about, you know, flat earth. I mean, Einstein, and he actually started to qualify his remarks. Einstein did this and said that about this. And it's never been proven that we did this and gravity. And, uh, and I... I I still thought he was a Poe. Like I thought, oh, he wears the punchline. He's a, he's a flat earther. He's, I just couldn't. We shared that joke that if the earth was actually flat, that cats would have pushed off everything by now, right? That's oh, too funny, flat earth. No, no, no. Einstein actually had the equations which talked about the thing and the this and the that and the rotation of the earth and the sun and then this and the other. Oh, holy shit, the man is a legitimate flat earther. Flat, flat earther. Atheist, this is just another living example that not all atheists are skeptics, that atheism is not like an inoculation against bad ideas. It just means that you do not believe in gods. It doesn't even doesn't even declare or imply that you came to your non-belief in gods for a rational reason. You know, the aliens killed God. Therefore, there's no God. I'm an atheist. Yeah. Uh, or you can believe in uh, all manner of wild things. You can believe in spirits. You can believe in ghosts. You can believe in crystals and and chakras and you know Reiki healing and you know, all that stuff exists outside of the God question. And there are atheists who are you know very rational and very evidence centered, and there are some atheists who are just <whistles> right. 
their their cheese hat has slid off their head long, long ago. All right, the cheese hat just slid away. I just I couldn't believe it. I mean, I, well, I could believe it, but uh, man. Okay, let me uh, get up here and get another cue from the. Um, Am I going to check out Scientology headquarters when I come to Clearwater? Actually, I've already been there. I didn't go. I mean, I didn't try to get into Scientology's headquarters, but I've been to Clearwater many times. And it and it's weird because Scientology like owns a whole section of Clearwater. <laughs> I mean, it's bizarre. Like they Scientology bought part of the city. And uh you see these big buildings, these big monuments to this cult. I love the fact that Leah Remini's work and the work of other people uh, out there, like Chris Shelton and so many others, are just brick by brick dismantling the cult of Scientology. I think this cult is, I think they are hugely wounded, hugely wounded. Uh, and uh, they're, they ain't coming back. They'll always exist probably in some way, but they, they ain't coming back. They're not going to have the power, the influence, certainly the, the ability to threaten people like they used to. I mean, they, on a very small scale. Yeah, but uh, no, they become a punchline and the bravery of those who are speaking out about their experience within those walls. And it's terrifying stuff. You know, they're behind barbed wire. They are cordoned off from the rest of their families and friends. They are told what to do. They are given a very small allowance so that they can't have enough resources to do anything if they did manage to escape. Many of them are denied an education. Slave labor comes into play. Holy shit, Scientology. Yeah. No, I'm not going to the Scientology building. We may drive by it, but... um, but yeah, I'm going to be speaking in Clearwater in November. I'll be in Orlando as well and potentially one or two other cities. Uh, let's see. I'm just reading the chat here for those who are listening in the radio. Bear with me. Like, how do we, back to, I'm not going to say much more about flat earthers. How can we send people to the moon where they are looking back upon the earth? How can, how can this happen? And someone say that the earth is flat. Even uh, astrophysicist Dan Batcheldor was talking about how that it, it's not just a conspiracy that NASA and all world governments and every other citizen would have to be in on. But people within the flat earth movement themselves would have to be in on the conspiracy because the guy living in New York would have to lie to the guy living in Los Angeles about the position of the sun. (laughs) So you'd have to have a conspiracy within the flat earth movement itself. It's bizarre. Bizarre. Uh, Let's see. Adam said he got ghost stories. Thank you. Yes, I'm going to do a ghost story show. It's not going to be as elaborate because obviously I've been spending hundreds of hours getting the audio book together. But yeah, we're going to do it. I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be that guy. Well, do you have to buy ghost stories or, and we're not going to do anything on the radio in October. Yeah. I think October 8th probably. And we'll share some of yours. If you have a, a you know, a, a story about something that you had perceived or something you once thought or believed or encountered, 
or you know someone who does, or maybe just some great folklore you'd like to share, please send that to me, podcast at thethinkingatheist.com. Which reminds me, show's coming up, first part of October, we're going to tackle something really sobering. We're going to talk about suicide, a secular perspective on suicide. It's funny, when I was a believer, I remember thinking that, you know, this was, it wasn't like, it wasn't Catholicism where if you, I think it's Catholicism where if you kill yourself, you're all automatically hellbound. You're damned forever, right? Um, and no, that's, that's not the case for me. I didn't know. I, th- I thought you could still be redeemed, but to me, it just seemed like, I think I heard my dad say once it's the coward's way out because you're not going to stay and face the music. You just decide to check out. And you know, when you think in these real simplistic terms about suicide and you're not thinking situationally about how it happens, why it happens. You know, it's it's easy to become this cookie cutter, suicide. Um, we're going to talk about this heavy subject. I'm not going to get too much into it here, but, you know, I, I, I we're going to speak about those who are, you know, who suffer from mental illness, who go through depression. We're going to talk about people who are experiencing life-wracking grief. We're going to talk about the terminally ill and right to die. You know, do you have the right to take your own life? And I think, yes, you do. Uh, if you have a terminal illness, you're in great pain, you know there's no way out. Who was that uh, young woman in her 20s? She was diagnosed with a condition that would cause her to essentially die horribly. And she wanted the right to die. I mean, the right to be able to to go out on her own terms. And there was someone that I'd gone to high school with, um, who had brushed across my social media feed. I just, I was pissed. I deleted her account. <laughs> uh, but she, before I did, she was like, this is an outrage. Only God can determine the moment of life and death. This is stepping into the will and design of God. If we decide the moment that we die, we are now essentially saying that we know more than God. This is so tragic. And I just jumped in. And I'm like, I think this is so critical and important. This young woman knows she's got a few weeks left that there's a good chance she'll be in agony or she'll or she won't be herself. And what she would like to do is while she is still of sound mind, she would like to be able to say goodbye in the way that she chooses and leave with some dignity. And she had to go to... Um, Oh, shit. Um, She traveled over to the East Coast. What was the state she went to where they have legalized right-to-die laws? It was... um, Crap, can somebody... It starts with a P. Not not state or city. Um, She went... Anyway, she went to the East Coast to live her last days in a place where it wouldn't be illegal for her to take her own life. And uh, she, you know, I think got as much as she could out of the time that she had left. And she uh, said her goodbyes and hugged and kissed everyone. And they all were in the room. And she took these two pills, I guess, whatever these pills were that were prescribed by a physician. And she, she went into unconsciousness and then her heart stopped and she died. She died on her terms. And, you know, that is, I mean, I, I, that's suicide, but I support that. Um, 
This is a conversation that we should have because the oppositions to it are so often religiously motivated. If you would like to participate in that show, make sure that the word suicide or death with dignity is in the subject line and just email podcast. I think Portland. Yeah, it may have been Portland. Um, uh, podcast at thethinkingatheist.com. Okay, and that uh, broadcast is going to air... 1st of October, I think. And we're going to treat it respectfully and we're going to be, you know, we're going to be honest and just be real. We're going to, we're not going to be offensive. We're not going to be glib. We're just going to, we're going to try to, to navigate through this. I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, if I remember I came, I, I came home, this was years ago when I had a great Dane named Skyler. And Skylar was up there in years. You know, Danes don't live very long, seven to nine years. And she was like eight and a half. And, you know, her legs were giving her some problems and her eyesight wasn't great. And, you know, she, but she was all right. You know, she was doing okay. And she got to the point where in some of these larger dogs, I think the phenomenon is that the stomach actually turns over inside the body somehow. And she was in great pain. And even if you surgically fix it, there's a real good chance that it will happen again. And we knew this is, this is probably, this is it. This is the, this is the time. This is the, the best thing for her is to say, you've had, you've had a good life. Um, you're in pain. You're nearing the end of your lifespan. Anyway, we, we had, it's a very difficult call. Of course, I'm sobbing. I'm just sobbing, you know, um, and and we put her to sleep because it was the humane thing to do. But we'll let our human brothers and sisters, we'll let them suffer agonizingly or just live on a bed in unconsciousness, kept alive with machines, not even experiencing life. They're just essentially in a drug-induced sleep at monstrous, monstrous expense and burden upon the family. I'm not saying we need to be flippant about these life and death issues, but the truth was is that we're often better to our pets in their moments, their last moments, than we are to family members. And I just thought, let's, let's talk about this difficult subject. So we're going to do that October 1st. I'm already dreading the day I have to say goodbye to Henry or Rat Dog. You know, they're, they're mortal. They're both 12. I think those dogs can live to be around 15. We're hoping for another few good years. But they both suffer from a condition called collapsing trachea, which means they have this wheezing cough. It's like a honk. It's really, um, uh, uh, it's like a pronounced punch of oxygen or, or air coming out of the lungs. And it's it's hard to hear. And especially Henry really struggles when he gets worked up, when he when he runs, when he gets excited. He'll just sit there and cough, ah, 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 you know. They can put a stint down in the trachea, but they only do that for dogs that are, according to their words, in distress. And... um so right now they have us doing this nebulization treatment where they, they breathe in this steroid. We put them in this storage container with a lid on it and we popped a hole in it and we have this mist that goes in. So it honestly looks like they're in there breathing like, you know, uh, they're vaping. 
And they do that 20 minutes every other day. And then if they get really bad, there's this uh, cough syrup that's, um, I mean, it just knocks them out. I hate to use it. And we're just trying to make, we're at that moment. Well, we're just trying to manage the symptoms, managing the symptoms. And they've got great quality of life and, you know, they're in no pain. But I, I, I'm struck by the, their mortality. You know, I'm struck by the fact that, uh, uh, you know, and, and Natalie's like, you know, they, they, they're they both happy endings to a great story and the, the, the story's still going on and you have to think about all the love they've had and all the time they've had and the car rides and the treats and the peanut butter and being held in the arms and playing with and then the squeaky toys and all the amazing stuff and taking them out on the road and everybody loves Henry and Rat Dog and their quality of life's been amazing. You know, Henry being the rescue from a puppy mill is one, he's a talk about a happy ending. He's had one of the best sort of turnarounds in his life. I mean, he went from being in a, a tiny cage with a hundred other dogs in a single wide trailer to, to being the most spoiled, rotten animal on the planet. And that's saying something. And I'm trying to maintain perspective and I'm trying not to get ahead of myself, but one day I'm going to have one day, we're going to be there one day. And there's a, there's a real good chance. We're going to probably will treat them much better than, than our own system of health care for the terminally ill treats human beings. We'll say, you know, the suffering's too great, or there's no quality of life, and it's time. And it'll be terrible, and it'll be hard, but it will be, it will be the right choice. Um, anyway... I didn't mean to get off on that huge tangent there, but that's what I do on these unscripted shows. Uh, Eddie says, has Seth or anyone seen the uh, movie Room, The Room with Tommy Wiseau? I haven't seen the actual film. I saw the film about the making of the film called The Disaster Artist that starred James Franco. It's a quirky little movie, but it's actually quite odd. I am two episodes from finishing Ozark. The series on Netflix is in its second season. I am so stressed out. And it's it, great storytelling, but it's stressful. I have two episodes left. We may watch them tonight. And then I'm going to have to wait, what, another year to find out what happens next. Man. It's heavy. But I love it. I think we're going to try The Wire. We're going to maybe try to binge that one. Someone said I should give Westworld a shot, although the reviews for Westworld are a little bit sketchy. Um, I don't know. There are a few ones out there. I'm looking for a good documentary. If you are if you know of a good documentary, I'm kind of a documentary guy, whether it's um, you know documentaries about uh, things like I mean, everything from Hearts of Darkness, which is the older documentary that talked about the making of Apocalypse Now and the filming with uh, Francis Ford Coppola, to the Civil War with Ken Burns, to Deliver Us from Evil, which is a sobering documentary about abuse in the Catholic Church. This thing came out 15 to 20 years ago. So these recent headlines out of Pennsylvania about the abuse of children by priests, of course, is nothing new. It's been going on for hundreds and hundreds, perhaps thousands of years um, but it's a sobering documentary. And you know what's the most sobering is that the priest, an Irishman, uh, who ended up getting asylum back into I Ireland, I think, 
never went to jail, never punished of any kind. They interviewed him. They got him on camera and in the most creepy way said, you know, yeah, I, you know, I loved the children. I just loved them. You know, I loved uh, Yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of bad, but I shouldn't have done that. It, it, you don't see penitence. You don't see remorse. You don't really even see necessarily an acknowledgement that they did anything wrong. Terrifying. And then they, of course, show these now grown children who, uh, whose lives were destroyed by this guy, you know, this guy who just, he decided he was going to love the children. I was watching it on an airplane and I remember feeling so livid by the time I landed. I was just, I was just so tight and, and angry and, oh, it's a must watch if you haven't seen it. I think it's called Deliver Us from Evil. There's another uh, documentary called Murder on a Sunday Morning about a young black teenager who was unfairly and wrongly uh, uh, blamed for the murder of a woman. Shoddy police work. He ends up facing a life sentence. And so there was a a big uh, court battle and the exposing of some bad ideas and some bad methods. And so that's a very compelling documentary. If you know of a good documentary, let me know what it is. Cytoplast says a good documentary is where dreams go to die. It's a story about a tough 100-mile race. Uh, The Vietnam War. There's a five-hour documentary on the Friday the 13th movies. I have seen it. There's also a long documentary on the making of all the Nightmare on Elm Street films. And there's a documentary about the Halloween franchise as we prepare for the 40 year anniversary film coming up in October. And yes, I will be there opening weekend. Speaking of runners races, there's a documentary. Oh God, what's it called? Hang on. Let me look it up. It was on Netflix, which means if you're a Netflix uh, documentary person, what is the name of that? It's not a marathon. You run a marathon every day for five days in some of the worst terrain imaginable. And if anybody has seen it, um, five days, marathon, hills. Uh, I don't even know how to search this. Um, it, there's a name for it. You have to, you can't call to reserve. There's a limited number of people. You have to actually write a letter and snail mail it to this person um, and be accepted. And people travel from all over the world to do this. And you're, you're climbing hills. You're going through people's legs and arms are all bloody from, you know, the, the thorns and the barbs and their feet are all blistered. And it, it is, it's five days, a marathon over uneven, rocky, hilly terrain with trees and thorns for five days. What is the name of that show? Let's see. Let me see. hang on. Netflix documentary marathon. Now it's personal. The Barkley Marathons. Barkley, B-A-R-K-L-E-Y. Barkley Marathons, the race that eats its young. It's on Amazon Prime Video. 
and it says it's streaming on Netflix outside of North America. Well, that sucks. It's worth watching. You should see what these people put themselves through. And, you know, they, they, they start out before dawn. They come back essentially ragdolls, exhausted. They get just a few moments of sleep, and somehow they prepare themselves to go on the next leg through a different path the next day. O-M-G. The Barkley Marathons. The race that eats its young. The website is barkleymovie.com. Wow. A few more and then we'll call it a day. This is kind of a, just a, a relaxed kind of deal. How do I feel about Christians praising the death of Stephen Hawking? I haven't seen that in my own circle. I mean, um, I'm sure there are Christians out there who are talking about how he was so misguided. There might be some people who are saying that he actually accepted Jesus. You know, they do that very thing when it comes to Einstein. Timothy asked if I've ever really looked into libertarianism. Uh, well, I mean, I know what libertarianism is, but I, I am not one. Um, I have a few libertarian leanings, but uh, you know, most people don't fit, in a, they don't fit under a label. I mean, it's like I'm left or a, a liberal, but and we all, I think most of us have nuanced political views. I would certainly hope so. Uh, let's see. Centuries of Torment about Cannibal Corpse is a good rockumentary. Is it as good as Spinal Tap? Which is a mockumentary. Spinal Tap being one of my favorite films. This is Spinal Tap. is one of the greatest things ever produced, ever, ever, ever. The Stanford Prison Experiment, I have not seen it. Uh, let's see. Tour de Pharmacy, that's got to be about Lance Armstrong. And the, the um, Tour de France. Yeah, some good recommendations. Thank you for sharing those. I appreciate it. Yes, we're gearing up for the month of October. Yes, we're gearing up for Halloween. And yes, one last time, I will beg you to go to audible.com or iTunes and pick up a copy of Ghost Stories and help a brother out. And I'm going to keep watching the homepage and the new releases sections to see if that sucker starts to notch up there as we edge toward October the 1st. I sure do want to see that sucker go. Uh, thank you so much to everybody for watching and for listening. I hope your week is wonderful. I will see you in Minneapolis, St. Paul. That's coming up Sunday, the 23rd of September. All the details are at sethandrews.net slash speaking. And I will see you next time. Follow The Thinking Atheist on Facebook and Twitter. Watch dozens of original videos on The Thinking Atheist YouTube channel. And visit our website for resources, links, contact information, the editor's blog, and more. TheThinkingAtheist.com Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.